When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Time to play with pain. Hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer Jeff Cesario. Interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host, Jeff Cesario. What is happening? Welcome to Play With Pain. What a day off of a... uh crazy and uh, in some situations tragic weekend or near tragic at least uh in the world of sports uh so uh but we're going to soldier on for this reason that our job is to attempt to bring a little brightness and a little fun into the world so who better to uh follow tragedy that level of tragic <laughs> setup than <laughs> a comedian who is sensitive and empathic as a human being uh, but also very funny. The great Taylor Williamson is with us. Taylor, how are you? Oh, that's a very loving intro. For real. Well, that's after nice. I sand I sandbag, I had to. <laughs> I, I couldn't do anything. I mean, we've had some weird events, and uh, there's an NFL player in the hospital. Knock on wood. Uh, he's going to be okay, but he's he's in critical condition still. It's uh, terrible. Jamar Hamlin. Yeah, yeah. Horrible thing. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk some comedy. We'll sneak into some uh, human interest level of sports. And uh, we'll do all of that. But first, Chet, uh, do you have an update for us? It would be the first of the uh, first of the new. Do I have an update? Does Kimberly <laughs> Guilfoyle have the teeth of two people? Of course <laughs> I have an update. Time for the Waterhouse Update, sponsored by Masculinin. Sheets that can handle what a man brings to bed. NFL, <laughs> Detroit playing for a playoff berth. I haven't seen that since seats belts were optional. Aaron Rodgers played two-bit weed dealer all season, and now we find out he's actually a narc. The Giants, like your uncle who's ignoring the two cups of rum punch limit, they just keep coming at you. And finally, Tom Brady's officially had more comebacks than the Go-Go's. That's right, the Go-Go's, sponsored by Therapist. The anger, anger management therapy. College football, USC showed they're ready for the Big Ten by losing a big game in the final seconds. Well, that was nice of them. Rose Parade, hosted by Mario Lopez. Uh, Nick Cannon pulled out, which is something he's never actually done before. And finally, LSU beat Purdue like Phil Collins breaking in a new drum kit. Sponsored by Oscar Slap. Just a plumber in Cleveland whose name is now completely ruined. That's Oscar Slap. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1831, the place outside Detroit, Michigan. America's first ever curling club was formed in the small town of Orchard Lake by an elderly couple who uh, were looking at, they locked out of their home and wanted to see if they could do something fun while dying. This Waterhouse Update sponsored by Mulch Appreciated, the Grateful Landscapers. Now back to Jeff and Taylor Williamson. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he doesn't need an energy drink, Chet. He comes out <laughs> fired up Does right off this- the top. That's just he just that's just he's just talking. He doesn't he's not reading off a script. He doesn't write it. No, he's not. That's he's just not, talking. None of that scripted. He's Chet really might be unable to talk. Oh, he may. Yeah, he may need a script even in uh, just casual conversation. <laughs> like if he were just talking to Chet right now, and like ask Chet a question. Hey, Chet, uh, how was your New Year's Eve? Hang on. 
Hang on, let me see if I got some. I don't have anything for that. Hey, Chet, uh, <laughs> did you have a nice vacation, a holiday vacation? I do have a couple of notes on that one. Uh, holiday vacations fly by faster than Sunday Mass in Las Vegas. That's all I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, let me try again. I feel like I can do better. I understand. I understand. You want to find a human side to chat. I get it. Chat, Chat, did you have a nice childhood? Man, oh man, oh man. Talk about a rough upbringing. I want to tell you, hey, my family was so rough, we had two a days for abuse. (laughs) See? I'm I get it. Wait, hold on. Chat. I get it. <laughs> can I do one more? Yeah, sure. You know what? Let's say, yeah, sure. You can talk to me. You know what? Jeff had to go take a pee. So let's see what <laughs> we can do here. Chet. Um, I like your wood background. Thank you. How much do you like my wood background? Here's how much I like it. It's uh, y- y- You could literally paint targets on that and have uh, axe throwing championships. That's a oh. nice background there. Yeah. And, and if they avoid the electrical outlet, double points. Because <laughs> if they hit that with a sharp axe blade, boom, fuse box is out. Yeah, yeah. And if, you're, and if, you're, if you hold on to it, then disqualification. You forfeit the game, basically. If you hold on to your axe? <laughs> hold on to your axe, well, it's getting electrocuted. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're, uh, yeah, you're, in, you're in bad. You're, you're in a bad way then. Listen. You're shocked uh, right into another sport. <laughs> it's wait. over to the chainsaw competition for you. You're out of the axe throwing. <laughs> Chat, do how do you feel about puppies? Oh man, oh man, I love puppies. I love when you can train them into what you want them to do. Uh, you know, you've heard of working breeds. Yeah, uh, that's a cool thing. Uh, sometimes you can train a dog that's not a working breed uh, to do things around the house, pick up your laundry or uh, sometimes even take in the uh, uh, the groceries from the car or pickup truck or whatever you have or right in the house. They'll do that. You got to train them, uh, but you got to train them right from the get. So if you want them to be a show dog or something like that, uh, you got to get them some snappy clothes right off the top because a puppy will sense that and it'll go another direction. You don't want to let them do what they want to do. See, wow. that's the great thing about a puppy. Chet, you, you about, want them to do what you want to do. How do you feel about greyhound races? Uh, sad. Very sad. Chet. Really? You got to race dogs? Come on. Dogs need to hang out in your house and go grab you a beer or eat pizza with you. A dog is not for uh, racing. It's just not for racing. You want to see something sad, Taylor? If I may. Jeff, can I? Okay, I can uh, here's here's what you need. Uh, you need to if 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 you're ever feeling horrible about your life, and I know as a comedian that can happen often. Take yourself to a dog park. Take yourself to one of those dog racing parks and look around at the clientele, and you're going to feel twice as good about yourself immediately. There are people there, honest to God, who look like uh, uh, Russia cut them loose as an informant. <laughs> That's bad. When they don't even kill you, when Russia doesn't even waste a bullet to kill you, they just cut you loose knowing you're going to wind up at a dog park. Hey, guys, that's sponsored by Dick Tucker's <laughs> Women's Clothes for Men. That's Dick Tucker's. Well, a <laughs> All right, ha- Taylor. <laughs> well, a lot just happened here. I just want to recap real quickly, if I may. Uh, <laughs> All right, do the recap for us, Taylor. Before the you- second half starts, do the recap. <laughs> I thought you were saying if you ever feel sad go to the dog park and take a look at the happy animals with their owners. No, no you with the, the dog racing park. No, and I don't how mean the dog, the people dog, yeah. are. Uh-huh. But then also I love what Chet said to people out, out there. Dogs are not bred for racing. Don't race dogs. Don't support dog racing. Dogs, according to Chet, are for drinking beer and eating pizza with you. And I love that. Yeah, and fun things, <laughs> taking a walk or uh, just dressing up in similar outfits. I'm, I'm for all of that. My girlfriend got my dog and me an outfit together. That's uh, that's interesting. They have they have they have out and they're, can I tell you the hoodie's very nice on both of us. Well, uh, you know when you're uh, when your dog has a better vest than you do, it's trouble. <laughs> it's trouble. Listen to me, New Year, uh, Taylor Williamson, hilarious human being. Are you? Do you do you get a burst of energy? towards the new year or is it just another in an ongoing week month of 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 pounding away at a career in stand-up comedy does it feel different to you 
That's a good question. Um, Thank you. I worked on it. I actually worked on it. <laughs> I don't have a New Year's resolution. I don't think like that. Like, okay, we got this this year. Um, I tell myself that I should reset and re and make myself better yeah. throughout the year. I never do it at any point. But I you tell don't. myself, don't wait till January first. I can start July thirty fifth. Right, right. So you're it's, sure? Why not? Why not? But I don't do it at any time. I think. Uh, did you did you see that? This is related to Chet. How does Chet feel about this? The the equinox in I think New York, one of the big equinoxes. They said we forbid new members from joining January first because we're not going to take short term people. Did you hear about this? It was a news story. Wow. So they're discouraging. Um, new year's resolutions they were trying to do like a tough love thing like we're not we're not looking for a short term you want oh, people into yeah. the long haul so we're going to give you a day off we're not going to allow you to join just today but it caused- well, i would have to say this time if i may uh, jump in i'm just going to jump in uh, jeff because he actually asked me this question and uh, so i'm going <laughs> to answer it uh first of all the contract pretty much designates that it's going to be more than a month i mean usually those joints uh sign you up uh for a year or try to bait you into at least six months. So, uh, so this is some PR grab by some money grubbing publicist, uh, which is redundant. Uh, but let me also say this, uh, you know, you got to try, you know, the equinox, you got to try the, uh, the lunar equinox. <laughs> yeah. That's that only comes around once in a while. So you only have to exercise like once every, uh, about 18 months. <laughs> Something like but- that. The membership's the membership's free. not it's it's free. Oh, yeah. Because who's going to get to the moon to sign up? <laughs> Nobody. All right. Mm. So you regroove during the year, but then you never quite do it. Is what you're I don't saying. do it. I plan on it. I do plan on a lot of resets. Like, um, like why don't uh, you hit the hit the 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 actual meeting? The the mindfulness, the Taylor. Williamson mindfulness meeting because you promise yourself you're going to do it, which is a brilliant thing. Incidentally, it shouldn't be just one day a year yeah. because resolute new year's resolutions, they're goals. They're just goals. They're goals. Yeah. You want goals and you should have goals and try to achieve them. And then when you do maybe slip another goal in there or feel good about achieving the goal and stuff like that. And, but uh, you're saying you never get to the place where you set the, the, the goals. Listen, I'm a work in progress. Well, you know, I'm not trying to accuse you, man. <laughs> you're like, Taylor, you loser. You don't do anything with your life. No, I did. That's start what you off, say. Taylor, you're so empathetic <laughs> and you're kind and you're funny. Yeah. By the way, everyone wants to go see that comedian who's real empathetic. Yeah. Oh, I can turn any compliment into it. Uh, an sure, sure. But yeah, you're right. Empathy. Self-pity weirdly rates higher than empathy at a, at a, for a comedian as a performance enhancing emotion. Well, it's funny because what do you think about this as a great comedian? I, on one hand, I think empathy breeds great comedians because one does have to jump inside the soul of the audience of a group of audience members who are completely different and say, uh, I know what will make you feel joy and silliness and laughter. But on the other hand, our industry on on every level, but especially the artists, are narcissist mofos are, are, with no yeah. empathy. I would even dare say most of the top comedians today are narcissists, narcissists, and not yeah. necessarily mofos, but narcissists. I'm keeping the classy, not cursing on the show because I respect oh, your you family from the you audience. <laughs> Um, right, two things before I forget, if you can remember what you're going to say, because I'm older I'm done, I'm done. and I'll forget mine soon. I'm done. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I finished. Thank you for having me. I finished the show. I already forgot what I was going to say. Uh, no, no, I know what you're saying about empathy on stage. Uh, yes, you have to understand a crowd and what they're thinking and feeling so that you can find jokes, but usually the jokes themselves are either self-deprecating or finding a uh, demographic out there that everyone can kind of agree deserves a little crap. That's kind of the two main ways you, you, you walk into a joke as a comedian. There's very few 
who can truly be empathetic with this. Although I think there are some who can do it, but, but it's, it's tricky. And I think you, I think you may see more of it just coming off of the, the, uh, hate a palooza that we've had for four years yeah i think more comedians are probably going to venture into this i did out of necessity work in a crowd that's when i found it because you know this face as joyful as my soul is (laughs) this face doesn't reflect it we were just talking about that before you came on air how you look just flush and bright and and happy and and I I honestly look like like a bookie who needs a new set of glasses. That's what I look like. So <laughs> it's literally lighting. It's literally yeah, it, it, lighting. It's got to be. But but on stage, I would find that my natural demeanor had people a little bit, even though they would be laughing, or especially if I was working a crowd. And and, and so I just thought I gotta completely go in, totally sympathetic with whatever they say. And then I'll work my way back to jokes that might even be a little bit uh, deprecating of the people who I'm talking to, but they're in a a much more good natured mood and willing to take it. I literally had to go, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm a garbage man. I go, you know, that, that, that sounds like, that sounds like actual hard work compared to what I'm doing here, which is an hour. And then I, go to a buffet that's less work than what you're putting into your life you know so i would i found that i that if i did that it went way better wow and now i'm tr- now i'm trying to take that muscle i love that and, and put it into the stand-up as well and, and i'm finding if nothing else it takes me to uh a little more personal place and in a place that isn't as well trod if I can use that. It choice. makes, isn't it funny? It makes you more, you stand out more being a little more being uh, nice, <laughs> being, but yeah, but like, right. Cause it's any other comic goes for the easy thing of like, Oh, you're garbage, man. Oh, well, did you, did you wash yeah. your hands before you, whatever, the, the, whatever. Right. The, but like, but even that, like, that's a dumb, quick, whatever crowd, whatever. But like, you could even say that joke with love, you know? Like you could yeah. say, you could say, you, you could even sneak in a joke, but with with right. a target, but you say something sweet, like, "Wow, you're hard. You're the hardest working people. You make more money than people here too. Like people don't know, like you guys are, you're, you're, yeah, you right. work harder, and then uh, you make money. And then also, by the way, I hope you wash your hands. By the way, like there's a way to make it right. clear that I'm it. your friend. Nice to meet right. you. And then double Respect. back and say you're <laughs> the only one here who has an underground pool. So. <laughs> So actually, most of us should be hating you, and yet we're laughing with you. You right. know, yeah, you can, and you have a demeanor, I think, on stage that does that, that can get to a little bit snarkier humor, and yet you, you, Gary Shandling had that too, I think, uh, and, and and I would compare you to him stylistically on that front. Oh, the wow, demeanor, the way he delivered a joke, never had you going, "Ouch!" but also funny, just had you going. Oh, that's funny. He got away with more stuff just because his demeanor was so um, empathetic. You know, I know that's the word we've been using, but it's really true in that situation. And he had enough self-deprecating stuff that you you suddenly feel all the jokes are on him, even when they're on you. Right. It it, it was just a great uh, alchemy that he had on stage that I really like and that you have as well. I'm going to answer part two of this, which is uh, most super successful comedians are narcissists to some yeah. degree. I would say most super successful performers in uh, in any aspect of show business probably have uh, some dose, some percentage of narcissism to their personality. I think you almost have to. I, I mean, really we, we, do. we, I mean, we do too. We're just not yeah, level absolutely. ten, maybe level two, maybe you know. Like, do we go on stage? Be like, watch this, motherfuckers. I'm, you don't even know who I am. You never seen me before. Right. You don't know me, or you should, but you should know me. What's wrong with you? Do your research, <laughs> you know. And then, oh, and, yeah. then uh, and then, uh, but watch this and make you laugh. Like, you're welcome. I mean, you, but you have to be have that to do that. False. But, you have to have that level of confidence just to get on stage. Um, have a podcast to be able to 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 walk into a green room anywhere in town where there's a lot of comics and to have a muscle in you that goes 
Yeah, I'm as funny. Or I belong funny here. Everybody in here. Yeah, exactly. I'm in a um, green. And, I'm at the comedy magic club, and it's like you come in, or like like uh, like Arsenio Hall comes in, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I I watched these guys growing up on HBO and on their TV shows. <laughs> yeah, I, I should be here, but like I have to. But you have to. You have to. Or you can't get up on stage. And also, what, you guys would point? be like, what, "Why is this guy squirming? What is it? We don't want him in our room." Right? Yeah, I struggle it, with that. Still, honestly. <laughs> and that is a, a muscle of great self confidence, perhaps unwarranted self confidence, at least when you're starting, which is also the same step stool you use to get to narcissism. That's right. the, <laughs> that's the tricky part. I know. Uh, and, and then success at a certain time in your career could really, um, you know, pour nitro fuel into that narcissism track. And suddenly you're on it. I, I mean, I've worked with a lot of people from behind the scenes as well. And you can see, uh, you know, Jeff Stilson, who's, who's had, a somewhat parallel career to me. We've had some success in front of the camera and a lot of success behind it. Just said at one point in his classic, you know, youngest curmudgeon on earth voice. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're all insane. They're all insane. At some point, <laughs> they're all insane. And he's right. Anybody who gets to that level, uh, you know, it's rare where someone is able to step back and truly have a, uh, um, a perspective spiritually that allows them to to put it all in a good place. Um, maybe not rare, but it's it's uh, it's it's in the minority. I think there's just a lot of of great performers who need that fuel to do what they do, and that's that's what triggered me uh, is f- from working for them producing for them seeing what they would have to go out and do with the weaponry weak or strong that we'd given them that week in a script and then to see them do it to see them make something out of nothing out of nothing or very little and you go well that's that may not be a burner on the stove that uh, that i have that uh, that may, that may not be a muscle i have um and, and it's and you, I think you need that fuel, that sort of, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a mini God. Yeah. And I'm just going to hit it and do it. I, I think you may need that on some level. This is the most fascinating topic I could talk about in my life at this moment. Like I'm utterly fascinated. And then now I'm seeing the other side my girlfriend's an actress who's killing it. And like she has the kind of life where so there's another side of it too where people go like remember like there's like story that came out like celebrities like want a bowl of blue M and M's and like they're a diva they're so obnoxious which yes right. it sounds crazy but like I'm seeing her now where she has a life where she's in a, she's living in a trailer for seven months of her life away from home away from her family right. and loved ones and right. whatever sometimes there's another side I feel you 100 percent what you just said and I. I, whatever, but I'm, I'm having empathy for the other side where it's like someone's a diva. They're off. They she wants this and whatever. This is all she has for home. Home quote, you know, in this half trailer right. she's in. Yeah, maybe she wants a certain thing made a certain way because it reminds her of something that makes her happy. And so a PA has to go through and do a thing. And it sounds silly, but like we all have silly things that we do privately that make us happy. Like I like too much ice in my drink. You know what I mean? But asking someone else to put too much ice in your drink sounds right. like, oh, they like so much ice in their drink. But you yeah, don't, they don't have time. They don't have time yeah. to do that because they're, they're working five days a week. And then the, on, on the sixth day, they have to exercise for four hours and they have to do like knife fighting stuff for whatever show they're on. Right. And then they have to memorize lines on the other day. I'm just watching this firsthand yeah, and I'm yeah. like, we're from the thing where we work for 10 to an hour a night, maybe two hours, maybe three hours, maybe one night, you know, and then we do whatever. Anyways, it's just. Yeah. No, the, the acting end of it. Yeah. Can be a complete grind. You're right. You're in a trailer. And unless you're a big star, that means it's a trailer with three mini dressing rooms in it and you're in one of them. And so it's a small room and you're working all day it it is it digging ditches no is it is it uh, you know cleaning oil rigs no but it it can be 
a a bit of a of, of a grind uh and then to be expected to sit around all day because the other aspects of the production are scrambling and are off or the weather's bad or they can't shoot or whatever and suddenly boom 4:30 in the afternoon they ask you to do a scene you had prepped to do at 9 a.m. now go in and be that sad or be that angry or be that happy or be that conjure up that emotion like that it ain't easy and you have to put your little particular things in a legal document it's got to be in the writer of your contract um civilians don't have to do that other right. other jobs don't i mean you know <laughs> you can just go home and i like sitting in that chair i like right. this beer i watch that game i like i like this food in the you know you can do all of that and nobody knows. Nobody <laughs> has to know. That's why people don't want other people in their homes. Yeah. That's why dinner parties are not happening as much. People don't want you to see that. <laughs> you know, right. they don't want to see your writer in a sense. Yeah. Anyway, I know I'm, I'm taking off topic, but it is interesting. The There's narcissists, which many are assholes and evil. It's mean, you know, but then there's also people who are just trying to be comfy and in a, in a in an un- right. uncomfortable environment they just want that little bit of whatever but um and people who understand what it takes to deliver a great show every night if they're on the road especially uh or if they're in a production that's that's a it's a nightly show um you know that is not easy i remember opening for gladys knight and the pips wow early in my career and uh, and uh, Gladys Knight, I saw her backstage, and she had the worst cold. Uh, you know, I mean, she had like, a, I'm going home, pounding some NyQuil, and uh, cuddling with your dog. Whoa. <laughs> or hey. my cat. Yeah, that's a lot. I know it's a little presumptuous <laughs> on my part. But I would stop on the way in and get your dog and then come home. Oh, uh, I, that's but you wild. could come if you want. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> But but she went out and just hammered the show and never said a word right near the end. She said, because a, a note she was trying to hit cracked that she just said, I got a little sore throat or something. Sorry. But I, but I mean, we would have been in bed. So, you know, of course, to do, to do some level of show like that every night, whether it's comedy or music or acting on Broadway or a road show like that, that that's. That does take a level of maintenance that that uh, could, from the outside, make make you seem a little prickly. Did you? Do, I remember watching. This stands out to me so much for some reason. Alan King had this show on comedy or something, or I don't know what it was called, but it was on the old Comedy Central or Comedy Network back in the day. Yeah, right. I remember but that. I, I got the DVD set like twenty years ago, and I remember Dennis Miller was on it, and he was talking about how I'm paraphrasing whatever he said, and it could have not been him, but I think it was him. And he was talking about how you could have a cold, you could be sick, you could be the saddest, whatever. But then, I mean, I think sick is more, I don't know, physically or mentally, whatever. But you you go on stage, you can still do your hour, no matter how sick you feel. For the most part, you can get through it. And then you just self-destruct at the end. Like, do you feel that? Like, have you ever had to cancel a gig because of a sore throat? No. I've been sick and done gigs, and, you, and the crowd was able to handle it. Like they, you, know, you, you like you, you. The point point is, you got superpowers where you can do the show, and then you you get back off stage and you have to cuddle your dog or cat and like. <laughs> yeah, you you curl up in a corner. Yeah, uh, which is why uh, a lot of comedy club green rooms don't have any furniture. They want to leave you a corner. <laughs> They're actually being nice to you. They want to leave you a corner where you can curl up. I love the comedy club green rooms where it's just like you're in the literally the kitchen and there's a chair with an office desk and like that's the boss and he's like and then they like hey can you yeah. I need to sit down I need to type in some I need to use the computer so I'm just standing in the green room I'm like wow this is I'm very famous this is what I thought yeah, I'd be doing yeah this is actually just a pass through uh, <laughs> that they're asking me to stand in I I, I that's if I ever write uh, a, a, an autobiography of any sort. Uh, one of the titles that's in the running is cutting through kitchens, yeah. my life in comedy, because it always seems no matter how big you get, it's like, uh, you know, 
If Frank Sinatra went through kitchens. Yeah. All but right, uh, right this way, Mr. Kevin Hart. Right this way. All right, you got to go around the ribs <laughs> and then <laughs> cut through the, uh, the warming tent and then you cut right and that's the stage door. It doesn't matter how big you get. It always seems like it's a kitchen. But you know how big you are based on the food you're passing by. Like okay. if you're passing by like cheese nuggets, you're at, you're in Appleton, Wisconsin at the comedy club that only has cheese. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm the headliner. I'm hungry. Do you have any food? Yeah, we got cheese. And they answer you very sincerely. Yeah, we got cheese nuggets. Sure. Yeah, grab them on your way up. I'm like, but do you have dinner? Oh, cheese nuggets. Oh, don't worry. We got cheese nuggets. I remember I did some club in Erie, Pennsylvania. I was like, can I get a water bottle? And uh, they're like, yeah, here you go. And it was like the it was like the it was a yo play water or some water that's like real water, but then it's like with a hint of strawberry or whatever. <laughs> oh, right. And I'm like, and it's like trashy looking too. Whatever. I'm just like, <laughs> no, but can I just get a water? Yeah, here you go. And then I have to go like, 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 like no, it's okay. And I'm like, no, but do you have normal water? Then like, then I'm a diva because I just yeah, want right, right. water. Yeah. And like, but then if you're killing it, then you're like, you're walking by, oh, here, wait, Kobe beef over here. Oh, okay, I'm doing good, you know? Yeah. It's, it does uh, say something about the gig when they hand you the water you asked for and you have to go, was this just sitting on a table during the first show? Because it looks <laughs> like that. It looks like somebody had, had it in their hands and just didn't quite open the top to take a sip. Is that what this is? Why is it warm? Why is it it's warm? It's the handle. Why are we, why are we in this business? It's so, it's so, uh, it's weird. Well, the reason is you you think you have something to say. Yeah. I think. Can I tell you I just had the best gig of my entire life? Sure. Like, no joke. Where? Uh, I did a, a private event in San Diego. I don't think. Oh, wow. I, I can. I'm like. I, 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 I overthink whatever i was opening for kevin nealon for a private event it's not a secret people do private events i'm like no no it? but but usually those are medium at best because it's usually not an environment that's set up for comics yeah corporates and private dates and things like that or if it is they're so focused on the the person they paid a lot of money to see they're not actually expecting an opener or whatever yeah and, and often those gigs they get to about 70 percent of what a gig could be and and that's the ceiling so to, it's like it's like someone saying th- that was an unbelievable fireworks show <laughs> right <laughs> because usually most fireworks shows you go not bad and you go to the car <laughs> You're right, dead. right. So to hear someone say it was a private gig and it shot to the top of your list is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean it's really because the money was good, honestly. But oh, it was like, wow, well, hey, whatever the reason. But like, yeah, like, I've done private gigs where like, I, like the boss of the company wanted me, and then he forces the empl- they're on the company retreat in Palm Springs, some Canadian carpet company. Off the top, I'm just making this up off the top of my head, but say it's a Canadian carpet company that came to Palm sure. Springs to, and they hired me because the boss loved me. And then the employees are forced to watch my comedy against their will. That's a great crowd when they're forced to watch comedy and they have sure. to respond. And, and I asked the boss of the thing saying, what, what can I do for you? Because these private events were just prostitutes, you know, because like they're paying you more money than you would yeah. make on a normal show. To So I'm like, what do you want from me? Like I'm doing my act, but is there anything particular I don't say don't talk. Yeah. Todd Glass has some legendary is there, story about. Is there it. any? Is there any chimp-like things I can do for you as well as my act? <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I sing a song for you? Can I dance? Can I eat a banana on stage? What do you want from me? And uh, but the, I got in trouble because um, the people, the audience, found my material offensive. When I literally, the guy told me, do your act from America's Got Talent. So I did my jokes. I did on a family-friendly TV show where I'm trying to get America to love me. <laughs> and so I didn't say anything that I did exactly what the boss wanted for me, which is like quote appropriate. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I was, legally I could say the stuff and it was all silliness, but then I got accused of stuff. And then, um, anyways, wow. that was, that wasn't a good one. And then one time I did a private event, this is sad, but interesting, I guess is, um, 
uh, it was a, a charity event. Those, that's a whole other level. Well, there's a charity, oh, the fundraiser. Yeah. So, like, and the people are eating and not paying attention to you, it's basically, like, you're the backgrounds, whatever. But, like, there's a stage, but people are just clinking and they're rich and whatever. Yeah, and- here's the only advantage to a charity event that I've found is that if you're doing poorly, which the odds are great you will be, <laughs> yeah. uh, you won't get heckled because it's a charity event. So nobody's going <laughs> to sink that low. But you oh. will just hear... You'll hear that noise murmur. That's your response. <laughs> so you're at a charity, man. I didn't mean. But they, they, no, no, no. But by the way, a side note: Kyle Dunnigan has this horrible, brilliant story, like legendary story. He told on Dana Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast about doing a private, like a birth birthday. He was hired to perform for Tony Robbins's birthday. And just Tony oh and like, God. and the crowd didn't get him or like him. And then Tony like shit on him afterwards, which is so not like to the crowd. Like, wow, like something that in the vein of like, glad that's over or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, the, so he got paid more money than he's ever gotten probably to just be shitted on by the guy who's supposed to motivate people and be yeah. like, everything's good. And like, but so the, the charity event I did, um, wow. Yeah, a motivational speaker should avoid <laughs> that pitfall. I think that would be rule number one. If you have some version of if you don't have anything nice to say about someone, don't say anything at all. Should be your baseline if you're a motivational speaker. <laughs> and these kids are go after somebody. <laughs> That's bullshit. And to the to the crowd of people who like worship him, by the way, like you get, he's at a cult right. meeting, basically. By the way, Tony right, Robbins, right. if you're listening, I'd love to perform it for you. <laughs> but uh, we're all whores. I don't know. But so it's some charity event I got, I did, and they um they hired like the the advertised star was um oh my god uh Tim Tim uh, Tim is, Allen uh, close uh, uh, Carol Burnett show Tim uh, oh Tim Conway. In Conway, rest in peace, legend. Yeah, and uh, 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 oh man, if you could get could have gone Dorf with Chet, Dorf and Chet would have been oh, a man. combo. Yeah, that would have been nice. So that would have been nice. Miss the window on that. <laughs> you get if you want to get some press for Chet, get Dorf on here. You can get canceled, but then you get a whole new audience. You know, it's that's how the world is now. Yeah, I even think Tim Conway, God rest his soul, is going. I dodge that Chet bullet. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyways but they it was just interesting that so the they they were worried because he was older and he really wasn't live performer much anymore you know right and he's right. kind of older guy and like so they hired me as kind of a what's, what's the sports term for just in case someone has some trouble so like yeah. a utility infielder you're <laughs> yeah. you're, you're you're gonna go in if there's any problems in the infield you're just gonna run i can play shortstop or first base i can do it all i'll fill I like it. So all I know is I'm hired. I'm, I get there and the guy who runs it is like talking to me, like the way he can't talk to Tim Conway and his sweet wife, like, listen, <laughs> you know, like, so we got you here and we just don't know. We just know he's special and then we love him. And just in case we wanted somebody who we know it's going to be fine. But like, I like, but I didn't get the, you know what? And Tim here, here, this is like sad. He like, he hit his head the night before and then like he had a hard Jeez. time on stage. I regret telling the story, but um, <laughs> in retrospect, you think thinking to yourself now. Just- I was trying to say how special the story of the story was to say Tim Conway is special. These shows are weird. And now I'm just like, remember that guy who died and he had a hard time one time? Yeah, but but the instinct to comment on that is genius to me. And part and and one of the tenets, I believe, of alternative comedy uh, is to comment in the now, in the present on exactly what's happening, which you just did. You were halfway into an anecdote. And I would have just, with my, with the way I was trained to do the job, I would have plowed through it. I don't think I would have ever stopped. And you were so relaxed no. and so easy to go, to just go, you know, this is an anecdote I probably should not have waded into. Can I tell you? I love that muscle. That is a great it's a terrible muscle. muscle. I blame Andy Kindler for it. I love him. I adore him. I I used to go on stage when I was, I started saying when I was 17, I was picking spots at the improv when I was 18 and 19. And I would go on stage trying to, you know, in the first few years, most artists or comedians at least are trying to be someone else, you know? 
Yeah. All right. I mean, all right. Inspired by it too much, but that's how we, then we grow into our own voice or whatever. I was trying to be, I was in my Andy Kindler phase because I just adored him so much. And right. like, I would go on stage at the improv and there's an industry, there's agents and managers and producers in the back. And I'm just like, oh, hey guys, uh, that was a bad joke. That would work great on uh, Carson Daly show, don't you think? <laughs> and I'm just like, I'd be so lucky to be on Carson Daly show. Why am I shit talking Carson Daly's talk show? Because you have a muscle of honesty in you that oh. understands the situation. I don't That's do that anymore. why it's like when you were talking <laughs> about AGT and you said it's it's a bunch of people trying to please America. Could you uh, think of a worse platform to step off if you're a performer? <laughs> All right, here's your only goal: try to please the entire country. Go. It's hard. It's a horrible. Uh, basic premise it, you, you can't do it uh when did you find uh we're gonna wrap up soon because i know you have a, a hundred things you have to no, do. i have nowhere to be you're my best friend i'd rather hang out with you than do anything else <laughs> the, the, when did you find yourself breaking away from the notion of doing other people or modeling your comedy after other people and finding you saying to yourself i, I think i got a voice here or something resembling it, and, and I'm going to start writing to that. You Not said it's a major shift. It's you know a lot right. of people think it all has to be the George Carlin boom overnight. I went from sort of a nightclub comic to this guy who's very insightful. It can be these subtle shifts. When did well, it happen? I'm going to answer you, but also make it longer because I want to say what I love about what you said earlier at the beginning of the show about how you 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 got yourself a new muscle and new tool in your work yeah. bench or whatever <laughs> is it in your bench do you keep your tools in your bench uh you got one of those fancy ones so the, the i got a huge bench <laughs> yeah i got a massive bench okay yeah. wow i got a big bench okay how do you guys talk about their cars <laughs> I, talk, I talk about my work bench and how but many I, tools i have in it <laughs> but i love that you've been doing this longer than me and like you but you, we all it, you keep going the best advice i got early on is if you look back at yourself from six months ago and you don't have a little bit of oof, that means that you're not getting better. So we are, we're all ideally still as people and as artists, whatever, still growing. But like, I don't know, like I would say 10 years. Not I was about to say for me, 10 years. Oh, <laughs> well, I feel six I just, months is a little short. I think I get I mean, on stage more than you do. Maybe you got to enjoy that act for a no, while. I'm not healthy. I'm not healthy. I can tell you that. I think, you know, you're probably healthier than me. That's what we're learning. But no, like, I like, yeah, like, I don't know. I would say probably 10 years in is when I got, when I started getting the compliments. It's not like a compliment. You're the same on stage and off stage. Probably not a compliment. Uh, probably something to work on. No, that but, is a compliment. That's a huge compliment to be it's, able it's to. It's where I want to be, you know? Who you are and just. Um, transfer it to the stage because it was a problem. There's there was pluses to starting early, obviously, but there's ne the negatives where I wasn't I didn't know who I was as a human because your your brain is evolved when you're 25 or 28 or tw I don't know some people I'm not smart but like it still isn't but like I was still I was still I didn't have life experience I still was growing as a person and then so like if anyone's bored you can watch clips of me I was on Craig Ferguson when I was 20. And wow. the first time, wow, the first time I was straight faced, I was trying not to smile. And then I got on six months later and I was trying to smile the whole time because I was going through that phase where I, I should right. smile on stage. I remember it, it took me three years to start having fun on stage to remind myself I need to have fun on yeah. stage because I treated every time on stage like because I was so inspired by guys like you, Jeff Stilson. I loved joke. Now I hate all of you. But no, I still, it's sure. my favorite style of comedy. I really mean it. Like jokes. Here's some jokes. Hey, David Letterman or what a Carson, whatever you do. I got some jokes for you. Here you go. So that was the style. Right. That's, that was always what I wanted to be. And like, uh, so I treated every, which is not the way to do it, but I treated every stand up set on stage like I'm on TV doing Johnny Carson. Cause so right. if I got, if I, for the first three years, if I got heckled, I didn't acknowledge it. It's sociopathic. Right. And like I just bombed, and like I treated like a TV, like I'm on TV, which is not what stand-up is. You know, you can't. It's anyway. So it like is in some situations, though. That's not a bad muscle to have. I think um, it hurt. Well, but what situations? Because I'm that, I'm that way too. I would I would just plow through. 
and just try to up the energy and compensate with an energy that but somebody yells really- out boo or shut up jew you know like what do i do like i just keep going it's so weird Well, i would first of all correct them and say i'm italian <laughs> <laughs> excuse me wrong racial slur <laughs> yeah get it together if you're gonna heckle me uh but i i mean there are some look any experience you have as a stand-up that muscle is going to come in handy somewhere sure. somewhere down the line i remember doing nooners in colleges and thinking wow this is what is this this is just brutal i'm talking to nobody nobody's talking back but i mean nobody it's not even organized there isn't even a stay and then i remember i went to london and i had to do uh the same five minute set on two different uh english talk shows wow same same uh environment uh it was a live uh venue and it was just two different shows two different crowds and the first night it killed and the second night i got nothing i got nothing and on that nothing those five and a half minutes i just went just plow just plow right just plow because it's not about me at this point i am five minutes in an english variety show and if they want to sweeten it they will I don't have anything to do with this anymore. No, you're <laughs> I just right. have to keep do keep talking for the five minutes and at least give them that. <laughs> and no, then- you're right. And somebody who who does somebody who self destructs and can't handle that in a club setting wouldn't be able to handle that in in that setting. You're right. They would do. Yeah. Oh, this is. I mean, I can name comics, so I don't want to say it right here who do that. They go out late night and the jokes don't work. They what they went and they're sweat. They're freaking out and stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I had to learn, okay, I got to be able to take uh medium response. I got to be able to take response that I don't think is where it should be. I have to, I have to get comfortable with that. You know where and else then just start writing and feeling and finding out what that does to me and then expressing it. As an actor, I've been hired for some acting gigs and very very few and it drives me crazy they don't tell you a good job. They don't go great. Right. They don't go, we love it. You know you did well if they just move on. Yeah. If they don't say we're right. doing another take. If they do another take, they didn't like your take. But if they like your take, they go, okay, next scene. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. I need I need a standing ovation. <laughs> Where is my standing ovation? Right. Exactly. Like, uh, I that, was like, I'm a three-line person waiting for my standing ovation. I'm going to nominate that for the title of your autobiography. Where is my standing ovation? I like that. <laughs> Uh, we're done. We got other things to do. My guest today, the amazing, uh, uh, Taylor Williamson. Look at him. We didn't even know who cares about, uh, we did what we promised to do at the beginning of the show, which is, uh, uh, discuss some stuff and hopefully bring a little lighter, uh, brighter mood to the thing, which, uh, I think I is fantastic. Did. Uh, Follow him on Twitter at Taylor Williamson, correct? It's at no, Taylor- I'm Taylor no, Comedy because my name didn't fit. My name's too long. So Taylor, too at Taylor, long. I, I, that's, I, it doesn't, when SATs is always like a I, Taylor Williams, William So. Oh, so I, so, uh, right. So I'm Taylor Comedy on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, which I, is the bait of my existence. And then Facebook. Are you doing TikTok videos? I I post some stuff. I just hired a social media manager because, like, we talked about this last time we hung out. Yeah, like, let me know how this goes. Yeah, man. Like, it's one of those if you can't beat them, join them kind of things. And like, absolutely. There's yeah. a great comedian who I'm very inspired by, Ralph Barbosa. He was my opener, and 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 when I went to Texas, and he he had four thousand followers in April. He has two hundred fifty thousand followers now, and it's wow. from being funny and posting clips on social media, and he doesn't have a a person he's just he's just funny posting stuff but it's fun for him because wow. he's younger you know so it's not yeah, like yeah. like for me i'm like Ugh. every time i post i'm like Ugh. and uh, him like yeah i'm posting you know <laughs> so I, that anyways but no anyway so i'm on social media so please follow me so i can be like ralph and then Do you have um, any dates coming up you got any dates got a date i'm gonna be in uh in atlanta at the punchline oh sweet. there the atlanta yeah. punchline january 10th to 12th and Boca Raton, Florida, the Jewish homeland of my ancestors, Boca on sure. January 20th. And then I'll be in Greens, Green or Greenville, Greensville or Greenville, South Carolina at the Comedy I Zone. I think it's Greensville. End of January. Sure. 
And I'm filming a comedy special in February in Los Angeles, I think. Oh, congrats. Where at? I think, I think we're doing it at the comedy store. We've got some red tape. We're figuring out some red tape. And uh, I'm looking to film a half hour, give the people what they want, not more than what they want. I'm telling them what they want. I'm telling them they don't want too much. So hopefully I'm going to film that in February. Bell post about it online. Taylor Comedy. I was a runner-up on America's Got Talent. I got all the links and the videos that people like it. But Jeff Cesario is the And that's guy. TaylorComedy.com? TaylorWilliamson.com. TaylorWilliamson.com. <laughs> the problem right, with Taylor gonna... Comedy, someone brought me on stage as Taylor Comedy once, like I'm Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> like, I'm not a black comic. I have a name. Respect to black comedians. Oh, God, I got oh, I canceled. I like it. Taylor Comedy. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Taylor the Comedy. <laughs> just really fuck it up. <laughs> Did you know Cedric the Entertainer before he was famous? Uh, a very little bit, but a hugely sweet man. And he's a great comedian, by the way. Unbelievable. But, all four of those guys. Oh, my the, God. The original Kings of Comedy. All four of them. By the way, talk about Unbelievably balls. Fun. I knew DL best out of all those guys. Talk about balls to be where the Kings of Comedy watch this. But then they're all, yeah. they are though. Then I, I it's just like are. home run derby. It's just like, bam, over the fence, bam, over the fence. Unbelievable show. That yeah. that was a great special. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, all right, buddy. So, so you got a bunch of dates. You're in Atlanta. You're in Boca Raton. You're in Greenville, South Carolina. You're doing the Southeast of the country. Uh, and you got any acting coming up? Anything we should keep? Are you doing uh, anything with the, what are you doing? What do you got? I'm trying. I got a show in development. That I'm hoping to get made, and I, uh, and then we'll see. L- listen, I was broken. I got a private gig in San Diego, and now I'm rich. And uh, that's impressive. I'll man. buy. I can afford a coffee for you, and I can afford a beautiful a, a new HVAC for me. And, and I'll take I'm, you uh, up on it, uh, folks. Taylor Williamson, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Can you tell I don't want to end? Can you tell I don't want to end this? Gary, That's how do you right. feel? We can keep going. Let me just do the plugs. I'm about to get fired. We have to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we have to go. All right. Be uh, well. Thanks, you guys. Follow me. And, you got it. Follow me on Twitter at Real Jeff Cesario. My album, What Was I Thinking? Streaming everywhere and on Sirius XM uh, Comedy. Uh, call them and request the clips. Um, um, it's so much fun to hear from people uh, from that forum. Chat, uh, are you doing anything this weekend? I'll be in San Parmesano, Italy, calling the International Hand Arguing Championships for the 11th TV in a sports bar network. Sponsored by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding <laughs> you to play with pain. <laughs>